Shabbat Shalom, everybody. Mazel Tov, Shabbat Shalom. I'm going to contradict myself this morning, but you should know that it is a long-standing rabbinic tradition to do so in light that there's a special joke just to explain to you how true this is. The joke goes like this. Two people in the community have been fighting with each other for a very long time, rancorous, contentious, bitter, and they finally come to the rabbi in the hope that he'll have some solution to their dispute. The first person goes and explains the entire situation. The rabbi says to him, yes, I think you're right. The second man stands up and he says to explain the situation. The rabbi says, you know what, I think you're right. The rabbi's wife happens to be in the room and she says to him, you know what, dear, both men can't be right. And the rabbi says to her, you're right too. So the idea of contradicting yourself, well, it's not the worst thing in the world because as Emerson said, consistency may very well be the hobgoblin of little minds. So what I'm going to do this morning, in the little bit of time that we have, I'm going to take one story that we read from the Torah this morning. I'm going to give you three different readings of it. They will not all be consistent with each other. But that's okay. It doesn't have to be. Because we will find and accept truth wherever it can be found. And however it can touch us and explain our lives in a richer, better, and more meaningful way. What's the story I want to share with you? It is a story of where we come from. This morning in the Torah portion, we read the story of Yaakov Jacob. Jacob, after leaving home under difficult and painful circumstances, you may remember that he connived his brother Esau into giving him the blessing of the firstborn, which led to a tearing up of the family, a death threat against Jacob's life by his injured and angered brother, and Jacob heads off to Paddan Aram to ancient Mesopotamia in search of safety and refuge from his brother. Many years later, now with four wives and 12 children, he returns back to the land that he would eventually be known as the land of Israel. Jacob hears that his brother is coming to meet him. He obviously heard rumblings that Jacob and his massive entourage was making their way back to the country. Not only does Jacob hear that his brother Esau is coming, but he is coming, as the Torah tells us, that there are 400 men alongside his brother. Obviously, the threat is great, and it is a perilous moment for Jacob. Jacob, we are told, divides his camp up. And on the night before he is meant to meet his brother, he is alone in the old camp by himself, alongside a river. And he is absolutely succumbed by anxiety and fear about what the next morning will bring. At that moment, the Torah tells us that Jacob wrestles with someone or something. Some people say it is a man. Some people say it was an angel. The interpretation I want to share with you is that it was neither of those things. In my first reading of the story, what I want to share with you is that Jacob was wrestling with himself. You know, it was the French philosopher Sartre who once said that hell is other people in your life, which is a little bit true sometimes. But the harder truth of the matter is, is that sometimes we are the hell in our own lives, which is to say that we often do not consider the impact that we have on the people in our life, the things that we do wrong, the hurts that we yield, how we ignore people, how we don't hear people, how we don't follow through on the promises that we should follow through. That if all of life on some level, and it is, if all of life is relational about how we relate to each other, then we certainly play a part if there's any kind of hell going on in our life. 
I'll put it to you this way. Sometimes people come, more often than I, sometimes I'd like, with problems in their life, particularly family problems. They complain about what this person says about them and what this person says about them and the complaint that this person says. And they keep reminding themselves, and by extension me, that they're a good person. They don't understand because they're kind and thoughtful. And I always remind them, and by extension, I remind myself that if you want to know, if you want to know if you're a good person, if you want to know that you're a kind person or an attentive person or a charitable person, a giving person, a patient person, any kind of adjective, positive one you want to add into that, feel free. If you want to know if you're that kind of person, you know how you find out? You don't ask yourself. You ask the people you live with. Jacob in that lonely night, as he about on the morning following to meet his aggrieved, injured brother, who he took something from, had right to be afraid. But perhaps what Jacob was more afraid of was not the fact that his brother was coming with 400 men. Maybe what was even more frightening to Jacob was the confronting of what he had done, that maybe he deserved it. That after all the hurt and rancor and despair that he had caused, the brokenness in his family, that it wasn't because of his mother or his father or his brother. It was because of him. And on that long night that Jacob wrestles, we all, if you live long enough, and you should, God willing, you all know what those kinds of nights are like. When the quiet of the dark envelops you and you feel and you think, about something you did or the person that you may have become. And none of that sits well with you. That's not what I want to be. That action doesn't define me. There's a story told about a rabbi who lived about 150 years ago. His name was Israel Salanter. And he was traveling with some of his students. They checked into a hotel or whatever approximated for a hotel in Poland about 150 years ago. And late at night, one of his students were walking by the rabbi's room and he heard crying. The next morning, the student approaches the rabbi and he says to him, Rebbe, I don't want to offend you, but last night I want to make sure everything was okay because I heard that you were crying in your room. And the rabbi explained to him that every night before he goes to bed, he sits with a pen and paper and writes down all the things he failed at during the day. And he cries. It's a worthy lesson. And the first interpretation of the story of Jacob is a story of confronting ourselves. Here's the second story, or the second version of the story. It's not about confronting ourselves. It's about confronting other people, about the other people in our lives. It goes like this. Jacob and this other person who wrestle with each other, let's take the interpretation that it's not himself. Let's take the interpretation that Jacob is wrestling the angel, like the story actually says. Now, the angel knows that the battle is lost. He didn't defeat Jacob. The morning comes, and maybe like a scene from Twilight, it's like a vampire, and the angel has to run away. So what happens? Before he lets go, he realizes the angel does that, the battle is lost. So what does the angel do? The story tells us that the angel strikes Jacob in the back of the leg on the sciatic nerve. It's the reason why, according to Jewish tradition, we, can't, we don't eat filet mignon because of the sciatic nerve that runs through it. 
and Jacob forever limps as a result of that. The lesson I want you to think about is that there are times in our life when we know that we have lost something and yet we want to hurt the people on our way down. We want to take people down with us. It's like you know your kid is going to go to a party that you don't want them to go to and you can't stop them. They're too old. You guys will get there, you'll see. <laughs> and you can't stop your kids from going to a certain party. They're going to go, you're not happy about it. The kids there are nice, whatever it is. And as your child is about to walk out of the door, you look at them and you say to them, really, you're going to wear that? <laughs> but we see it in more vicious ways in our lives too. You're fired from a job. And in your exit interview, you throw arrows at everybody else around you. In politics, you see this all the time. I don't have to tell you, you just tune on to CNN, MSNBC, or whatever preferred news channel you may have. And the current political climate in the United States is exactly that. If you lose, you hurt people on your way out and on your way down. The angel in hurting and injuring Jacob is a reminder to us to be careful about what we do not merely in our times of success, but in our times of loss as well. Not to be vindictive, not to be angry, not to be damaging, but realizing that in life there is winning and there is losing. And you are more often judged not by how you win, but by how you lose in life. That's the judge of the person you are. Okay, the third interpretation to a story. After Jacob has his battle with this, either it's himself or the angel, whatever it is you want to read it as, Jacob then, the stage is set for him to meet his brother. The first interpretation of the story is, is ourselves. The second interpretation of the story was with other people. This third interpretation is all the people we share our life with. Jacob is about to meet his brother. And we know that many years before, Jacob had stolen the blessing of the firstborn from his brother. Jacob sends a massive retinue of people and gifts in advance of seeing his brother. And then there he sees his brother not far off. Remember that in the ancient world, they didn't have mirrors and pictures the way that we do. Jacob and Esau were twins, which is to say that when Jacob and Esau saw each other, they saw themselves. They didn't have mirrors and photographs. To see a twin was to see yourself. And they see each other in the distance. And they approach each other. And Jacob says to him, after all these things that are passing in front of Esau, cow and sheep and lambs, whatever, it, like a massive amount of stuff. And Jacob says to him, Kach et birchati. Now, in the English translation of the text, it says, Jacob implores his brother, it says, to take these gifts. Take my gift to you as an act, presumably, of compensation. But that's not what the text says. The text says, Kach et birchati. Birchati, the word is bracha, take my blessing. Jacob, after all these years, realizes what he had taken from his brother that he was the cause of it. And he offers his back to his brother. But one last idea. 
The ancient rabbis teach us that the reason why Jacob limped, why the angel struck Jacob on the back of the leg, forever causing him to limp for the rest of his life, is that it would forever signal to Jacob that he can no longer run away. And as he approached his brother, wounded and limping that morning, he could stand in front of his brother after all these years and say, I am no better off for leaving you. I am wounded and I am broken. And I am here standing in front of you and I want your love and I want your peace. Ernest Hemingway beautifully said that we are all broken, but some of us get stronger in our broken places. And rightly so, Jacob at that moment becomes Israel, who we are. Which is realizing that in life, in order to become the people we want to be, it doesn't come as a result of us having good and easy times. It is the suffering, the struggle. That's what the name Israel means after all, the struggle. It is the struggle through life that creates a beautiful life. Shabbat shalom, everyone.